hello, hello, and it's another episode of Pinkie Pie. Poo-pow. Hi, how you been doing? Yeah, I skipped another week. Maybe I should just call this a bi-monthly one. No, I don't think that's correct, is it? Bi-weekly? Yeah, I don't know, twice a month. Because, um, I don't know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I was sort of working up a thing on MK Ultra and was going to do it and then realized I really should look up more. But if you listened to my previous maxi episode on the Montauk project, MK Ultra was also mentioned. I think I'm going to rewrite it and do a better job. I can't even read some of my own notes. That's how bad my writing is anymore at times. Not to, not to, you know, sympathy pull. I think it's a very bad arthritis in my hands and feet when I get up in the morning. So, yeah, wah, wah. you know, it's, it's, I'll live. Where was I last weekend? Well, I was at the Scottish Highland Games here in Enumclaw. I don't live in Enumclaw, just here in Washington, Seattle, wherever you're listening from. So I got to see plenty of men in Celts and got my fix of bagpipes and tossing telephone poles. The caper toss. Now, what is the point of that, you say? What is their goal? You need to flip it end over end. And if you've seen, it actually does look like a telephone pole, okay? It's a little tapered at one end. But it, but it's not just flipping it end over end. They get scored by where it lands, like at what angle. So if I'm remembering correctly, if it's at 12 o'clock, that's a really good score. Like that's, that's the best. And then go around the clock from there. And if it doesn't flip over at all, I think that's just a wash. You don't get any points. I watched a bit of this, and the only person I saw flip the pole was a woman. Woo! She did great, and I should have got her name, but that was pretty cool. And I got to have some nice dark and chewy ale at the uh, at the beer garden, and got a couple of cool pendants, you know, as you do, you spend a little money. They weren't expensive. I never find my kilt, though. I do have clan, and one of my clans is Armstrong, and... Uh, Armstrong's were not there this year. It's a little smaller than it has been in years past, but it also was shut down a while due to COVID. So I, I imagine we'll come back strong. And so what were you up to? Let me know. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at PodPinky. You, you can let me know what you've been up to this summer so far. The next weekend, I'm going to the Midsummer Washington Renaissance Festival. And because they also add themes to their, it's three weekends three weekends in a row that this runs. Plenty of chances to go if you live around Seattle or in the area. It's down around Bonnie Lake, Kelly Farm. Go to Eventbrite or go online and look up tickets because I think they're dating them this year. People were kind of being weird and of all things trying to scalp, you know, Ren Faire tickets or something weird was going on. But I am going on the Mask Marauders weekend, which means I get to dress up like a pirate. I'll share pictures when the time comes. I'm not even going to describe it. I'm just going to, I'm going to do something a little different with it, not just a straightforward pirate. So I'm looking forward to that. It's probably going to be hot outside, but not as hot as this week where it's been like in the 90s. And here in Seattle, we don't like that. We're melting. In fact, I'm recording this now with my air conditioner shut off in the morning, hopefully before it gets too hot but I didn't want the noise in the background. All right. I think that's got me caught up. I feel like I was going to say something else, but nah, that's good. So because 
Oh, one other thing I was going to say. You might give me some feedback on the volume of the podcast. I don't know what you listen on, but I was for a minute listening to it in my car through Bluetooth, you know, on my car speakers. And I thought, oh, that's nowhere near as loud as the other ones, professional ones that I was listening to. I always think when I'm editing this and in my headphones that it seems loud. And so I do things to to dampen it. But now I'm realizing maybe it's not, depending on your device. And you could just turn the volume down, I suppose, instead of me worrying so much about it. I just don't want to blast anybody's ears out. So if anybody has any feedback on that, nobody's told me that it sounds crappy or too quiet. But if this one, if you have to turn your volume down a bit, it's because I'm going to experiment a little bit and see how it goes. All right. All right. I said everything I want to say. So since I'm going to do... A deeper dive into some subjects, maybe the MK Ultra. Do some more of a web page that had really good information keeps glitching on me too, so I can't. Um, while I'm trying to grab the information, like it jumps and goes all the way back to the beginning. You know what I'm talking about? Aggravating as hell, but it's such a good website. So I've decided just to put out a Google Roulette number two because I did that once before and it was kind of fun. And I decided to Google, or actually it's Bing. I'm on Microsoft Bing. Sometimes that's different. And so my Google slash Bing search term to start is creepiest true stories. And I have not vetted these. I've literally just put it in here. And we're going to see... If we come across anything good, if you, if you listen to my Google roulette the first time I did it, it was kind of okay, but it can also sometimes be a big womp womp. So let's go to ranker.com. Sometimes these are good. This is the creepiest true stories people lived through. And it's uh, from 2019 by Rosa Pascarella. Number one. Woman smoking on balcony at 3 a.m. sees a suspicious man who shows up at her door moments later. A few years ago, I was living in a fairly nice apartment complex, having a cigarette on my balcony around 3 a.m. on a Tuesday night. I'm usually on my phone, but I got this weird chill and looked up to see a middle-aged man walking down the sidewalk across the complex. It struck me that he did not belong here, and I realized he wasn't one of the residents. As I was thinking this, he suddenly stopped and looked right at me, making eerie, way too long eye contact, and then rushed off between buildings in the opposite direction of my apartment. I told my husband about it and joked that if we get a knock on our door in the next 15 minutes, we can assume it's the creeper. Sure as shit, 10 minutes later, there's this quiet, faint tap, tap, tap on our door. My eyes probably popped out of my head, and my husband jumped up to grab his gun from the other room. I slowly walked up to the door to look through the peephole, holding my breath, and there was the man I had seen looking right at me through the peephole. I know he wasn't actually able to see me, but the image of him looking right into my eyes still freaks me out to this day. My husband walked up to the door, stared through the peephole, and shouted, What? in his threatening voice. And apparently the man had his hand on the doorknob and jerked back in surprise to hear a man's voice. 
Dude asked for Jeremy or some made-up name, and my husband told him to leave. After bullshitting a little longer, the guy finally walked downstairs, only to peer up into my living room window from the lawn. I closed the blinds, and he moved over to stare at me through the balcony door. He didn't move on until after I shut that one, too. We called security and gave a clear description. A few days later, we got a report from our complex that an apartment had been robbed around that time that night. What keeps me up at night is this question. If you're going to rob an apartment, why would you go to one that you definitely know a woman is awake and home, seemingly alone? Why? Why indeed? They even let you rank it here as this creepy. 7,389 people said yes. 770 people say no. I guess they're not easily impressed. Number two. Woman finds man with knife petting her house. Yes, you heard that right. And I read it correctly. My bedroom is on the second floor of the house. There's no patio porch overhang of any kind beneath my windows. A couple of years ago, I was watching TV in bed around 2 a.m. and I heard a louder than usual animal sound. Not uncommon to hear squirrels running around on the roof from time to time. Didn't think much of it. Kept on happening and started to sound awfully close to the window and not on the roof. Still, I ignored it for a pretty long time. After at least 40 to 45 minutes of being irritated by the noise, I banged on the wall in hopes of scaring them off until I could get to sleep. Just two quick bangs with my fist, which were answered with two bangs on the wall right next to the window from outside. Needless to say, I just about shit and I jumped out of bed. Now, my living room has a bay window and is on the other end of the house, so I could look out that window from the side and see my bedroom window. I hustled downstairs to peek out. I saw a guy standing in front of my house below my bedroom window. He's got a knife, a small pocket knife, in his hand, and he's petting the front of my house. I called the police and waited. He never left the front of the house, even when they rolled up, and ultimately they quietly disarm and arrest him without much struggle. <gasps> Is this creepy, listeners? 6,264 people said yes. 673 people say no. Hmm. Number three. Family moves into new house. Toddler befriends ghost of man who had died there. We moved into a new house a few months ago. As we were in the process of purchasing the house, the renter who was living in it died unexpectedly of natural causes, and he was in his mid-40s. He died right in the middle of the living room. Shortly after, we move into the house, and almost immediately, our two-year-old daughter starts talking about the ghost that lives in our house. Now, let's be real here. She is two, and two-year-olds are very impressionable. Halloween had recently passed, and she had this Halloween-themed picture book that she loved to read, so it's entirely possible that all this talk of ghosts was just coming from looking through that book on a regular basis. Still, she was always telling me that the ghost was in her playhouse in the basement, or that the ghost was on the stairs, or the ghost was standing in the corner. She never seemed to be afraid of the ghost, and considered him to be her friend, so I wasn't all that concerned, even if there really was a ghost haunting our house. If he's a nice and helpful ghost, it could certainly be a lot worse. I would often tell the ghost that he was welcome to stay if he wanted to, but he was also welcome to go if that would make him happier. 
I was about 30 to 70 on the ghost being real and she could see and talk to him versus the ghost being just her imagination fueled by her book. Until one day, when we were going out to the car to daycare in the morning, it was still dark out and it was rainy. My daughter told me that the ghost was on the back deck and then she told me that today was the ghost's birthday and she wanted to sing him happy birthday. Once again, I mostly disregarded what she was saying as she is birthday obsessed and has in the past made us sing happy birthday to Mickey Mouse, a bowl, <laughs> a bowl of fruit snacks that is, and to the bathroom. So we sang and wished the ghost happy birthday and went on with our lives. Later that day, out of pure curiosity, I looked up the obituary of the man who had died in our house. And wouldn't you know it, it was his fucking birthday. 6,086 people say that's creepy. 973 people say, no, it's not. I don't know, reading it, it's not that creepy, is it? Now this one is, <laughs> this one is really short. Number four, man wakes up with mysterious handprint on his chest. I once woke up with the outline of a handprint on my chest. I measured it and it was too small for my hand and too large for my wife's hand. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. He doesn't tell us anything else. Wow, bah. Number five, man hears footsteps in vacant apartment. Police find stranger with knife inside. Another knife. I lived in an apartment a few years ago. Four units upstairs, four units downstairs. I lived upstairs and the apartment below me was vacant. I kept hearing footsteps, 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 if you know, you know, through the apartment and I knew I shouldn't have. Nobody was downstairs. I asked someone to come over and listen just to see if I was crazy. Maybe I'm just hearing other apartments since it's empty downstairs and everything is echoing. Wrong. I kept hearing the footsteps. This went on for an hour. Took him an hour to call the landlord and the police. Apparently someone had broken in through the windows downstairs and was walking back and forth through the apartment with a knife. What say you listeners? Is this creepy? 744 people say, no, it's not. Number six. Man checks on car on the side of the road, finds dead man sleeping inside. I drove past a car on my way to class in college. I always took the back roads to avoid traffic, so it was a bit odd to have a car parked on the side of the road. When I came back from class, it was still there. I drove by a bit more slowly and saw what I thought was someone sleeping in there. I thought that was odd, but maybe someone was traveling and decided to pull off to take a rest and just fell asleep longer than they planned. Nope. The next morning I read in the paper a wife killed her husband and dumped his body and the car on that back road. Dude. I don't know. I mean, is it creepy or just like, holy shit. Number seven. Insomnia saves man from home invasion. Occasionally I get mild bouts of insomnia, but nothing serious. Usually just a, a delay in my bedtime of an extra two or three hours. One night I just cannot sleep. Nothing will get me to relax, and eventually I give up and just sit in the front room playing Heavy Rain. Oh, that's a video game, y'all. All night, as it had just come out a few days before. So you can put a time frame on this if you look up when Heavy Rain came out. I think it's just a handful of years. The next day, I head off to work exhausted with zero hours of sleep until... Oh, pardon me. Back up. The next day when I head off to work exhausted with zero hours of sleep, I got a text from my roommate. Dude, the police are all over the apartment complex. Apparently nine apartments, including our downstairs neighbor, were broken into last night with people home sleeping. 
Some people even reported things being stole from the rooms they were sleeping in. It hit me that had I not stayed up all night and left the light on the front room, I could have been robbed too. Now y'all, is that creepy? 597 people say no, but I think that maybe maybe it's not creepy that he sat up all night, but I think that people who had who who knew that people had come into their bedrooms while they were asleep, that's fucking creepy. That's creepy. Well, here's a headline for you. Number eight. Man goes out for pizza, narrowly avoids cougar attack. I was out in the middle of nowhere at a musical conference with my wife. Oh, musical conference my wife was presenting, and it was held at an old church retreat camp. Run away! It'd be worse than cougars at an old retreat camp. Didn't you see Friday the 13th? Okay. One of her presentations ran way over, so the lodge's cafeteria was closed. With no car, no, vo- no phone. He explains it was so remote there was no, no coverage for mobile. And no vending machines. My only resort was to walk to the nearest town and get food. Okay. I grab a coat and a flashlight and had no issue on the trip down. Snagged a pizza from a spot along the way the high, on the highway and it's around midnight. You're lucky the place was open, dude. On the way back, it was a different story. I got a severe feeling of discomfort. I could feel eyes on me. This was out in the middle of the woods, so my first instinct is there is an animal following me. Knowing most predators like to hit from either above or behind, I turned on my phone light and kept it pointed behind me and swept my flashlight up and down as I walked. The whole walk back, I hear rustlings, first along one side, then following behind. It's not creepy anymore, though, because we already know what it is. If the headline didn't say cougar, I would be kind of creeped out by now, wouldn't you? Unless there's a twist. Let's go on. I kept a steady pace and acted cool, even though I was terrified. Shortly before I was back on site, the feeling left, no more sounds. My wife and I enjoyed pizza and slept in. What? That's it? Two days later, we got a shock from the news. A homeless woman was found less than 1,500 yards from our site, and she had been mauled and partially consumed in what appeared to be a cougar attack. Estimates of the time of death were the same night I went out for pizza. (sighs) poor woman number nine mentally ill man on shooting spree wreaks havoc in suburban chicago well i mean that's a true crime story when i was in fifth grade some guy who was mentally ill had a meltdown somewhere near somewhere in chicago apparently he shot and killed some random guy and stole his car he drove up i-94 towards my suburb got off the highway and drove straight into my neighborhood and just started shooting sporadically at people's houses. This reminds me a little bit of an opening of um, a Stephen King novel, which was actually under the name Richard Bachman. He somehow wound up in my backyard, which is full of trees, and was just shooting in every direction. I can still vividly remember brake lights in the middle of the otherwise pitch black woods and sparks from the gunfire going off in every direction. Okay, the Stephen King one takes place in broad daylight. The cops showed up and shot him to death. Luckily, no one was hurt, but my neighbors did find a bullet in the middle of their mattress. Fireworks are not so fun anymore. Yeah, wow, that's PTSD. Do you know the book I'm talking about, by the way? Let me know. Number 10, man becomes someone else for a day. Okay, now it's an interesting headline. A few days ago, my iPhone would not accept my fingerprint for Touch ID. None of my fingerprints. 
My dog stayed on the other side of apartment from me and wouldn't take treats from me. I trained him not to take treats from anyone except me to avoid poisoning or illness, but he wouldn't even take his favorite treats from me or cuddle with me. When I went to hug him, he hid in his kennel. My pin didn't work for my debit card, so I wound up running it as credit. I used the same pin for everything. You probably shouldn't say that, dude. The only websites I could get into were Reddit, Gmail, and Amazon, pages where my password is stored. Any website where I had to enter username and password, it came back as incorrect. Thank God there's no password to wake up my computer or I wouldn't have been able to do any work that day. And the next day, everything was back to normal. Um, you know, 4,276 people think that's creepy, but I don't because I think there's probably something else going on here. And it could even just be that like, <coughs> bullshit, dude. Or maybe you just couldn't remember shit that day. It happens. I don't know. What is your judgment on that one? What is, do, do you think that's even true? Do you think there's some other explanation? Do you think he's exaggerating to try to get into Ranker.com? Yeah. Well, it worked. Number 11. Alarms go off and phones ring simultaneously in the middle of the night. All of the alarms in my house went off at exactly midnight. Then later in the night, all of the phones in my house rung at exactly 3 a.m. I watched The Babadook the day before with my girlfriend, and needless to say, I was terrified. That would be creepy if I actually believed him. Because you, you tossed him watching The Babadook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as soon as I thought, saw 3 a.m., I'm like, yeah, that's the actual witching hour. And then, you, I don't know. Boo. Oh, my God. This is short and sweet and gross. Rat chews on boy's face while he sleeps. Woke up to a rat eating my cousin's eyebrows while sharing a bed. Ah, oh my God. I wasn't expecting that one. That one was more like a hit and run. They're just going to smack you upside the face with that one. Number 13. Oh, now, just by the headline, I could tell you I've heard stories like this before. Empty house makes a call to 911. Working as a 911 dispatcher, I got a call from a house. I call back, it's disconnected. This is actually fairly common and happened whenever it rained. The backstory on the house is that it was vacant and used to have an active landline. The theory was that the water was somehow getting to the telephone system to the house and was setting off false alarms. Well, we get one and I thought about just saying fuck it, but I stuck with protocol and sent an officer. The vacant house had just caught on fire the day after a rainstorm. They never found a witness and the house was saved. Is that creepy? Is that creepy? I've heard this story before. I almost wish we had come across it in the full telling before you knew the punch uh, punchline, the outcome. It's way creepier when you build it up. That's it. Maybe the next one I should just come up with some spooky stories. I used to do those as bonus episodes. Number 14. Man swerves car to avoid hitting bear, crashes into tree where another bear awaits him. Oh, I can almost picture it now. It was winter break, freshman year of college. I drove up to visit, visit one of my friends in Northwestern. Do you hear that? Do you hear the fake dog bark? I have that ringtone on my phone for when people are um, dialing to get into my hair studio. We have an access code. I have to let them in. And it's like, dudes, I'm not there. Yeah, thanks. Okay, where was I? It was winter break, freshman year of college. I drove up to visit one of my friends in Northwestern Pennsylvania for New Year's. I needed, to be, I needed to be back home the next day for work, so I decided to drive back at like 2 a.m. There's an awful lot of 2 a.m.s in these stories. 
I was driving down Interstate 79 and I maybe saw two cars in a 60 mile span. I came up around a bend and saw what looked like a black bear in my lane and I swerved and went off the road and crashed into the tree line next to the highway. I was in the middle of nowhere and the bear booked it into the woods. My car was fucking totaled and I knew I wasn't going to see any cars for hours to help me out. I called 911 and they said they would come in like 20 minutes. I got out of the car and stood up on the shoulder of the highway and waited. After about five minutes, I heard some rustling in the bushes and there it was, the fucking bear. Turns out when I went off the road, I hit a cub. And Mama Bear was pissed as all hell. I booked it over to the back of the car and hopped in the trunk. Wow, dude, okay. Thank God I had a big Ford expedition so the bear couldn't fuck with it too much. For another half an hour, the bear tried ramming the car and was trying to get at me in a frenzy. The police showed up and the sirens scared Mama Bear off into the woods. It was the most terrifying experience of my life. Yeah. Is, but dude, is the cub okay? That's what we all want to know. I know my listeners want to know. For we don't care. You're fine. But what about the cub? Oh my gosh. 15. Child's night terrors are triggered by live bat stuck in his duvet cover. I feel like I should stop reading the headlines. It gives everything away. I grew up in a forestry cottage miles away from any town. We often got toads and birds and other woodland creatures in the house. I was seven at the time and suffered from night terrors. My parents often found me about the house at night speaking nonsense or screaming. It must have freaked them out to no end. For a few nights, I had been shouting at my parents, convinced there was something in my bed, and I couldn't sleep because of it, but obviously my parents put it down to nightmares. I kept saying something was shaking in my bed and scratching me, and they took all my blankets and toys out to show me there was nothing there, but I was still convinced. I was an odd child, so people often thought I was making things up. Turns out, a bat had gotten into the duvet cover. I opened it up one night, and this thing flew out. The parents ran in and turned on the light to find this bat dinging around the room. Sometimes I'm still woken up by the feeling that there's a bat in my blanket. That would be, that would be creepy. That would, something moving around in your blanket? That would be creepy. I'm not going to read the headline of this. Number 16. My great aunt died August 2012. Six months later, February 2013, my cousin was playing hockey in a hockey tournament. He was extremely close to our aunt and was pretty devastated by the loss. His team was never that good. However, in this particular tournament, they were doing really well. So well that they made it to the finals. They lost, but that's where fate comes into play. All of the runner-up trophies were wrapped in newspaper. My cousin pulled a trophy out of the box, and the single piece of paper wrapped around it was my aunt's obituary from six months earlier. Hmm. I don't think that's creepy. I think if it's true, it's very sweet. Seventeen. Years ago, around Halloween, my family had gathered to watch scary movies. My mom loved these shows. Who doesn't? My dad didn't care much for them, so he would get up every few minutes to work on something or other. Okay, dad doesn't like them. We had started watching Hitchcock's The Birds, and it was getting late, probably close to midnight, and it was getting cold. Not just the late October chill of the foothills we lived in, the house was getting cold. At first, my mom just asked my dad to turn up the thermostat, but after a couple of minutes, the furnace running and the house not warming up, 
he realized he needed to go check the furnace. You know, see what's wrong, right? He grabbed a lighter and headed downstairs. A minute later, we hear him shout for us. You have to come and see us! <laughs> he says with something that sounds part excitement, part nervousness in his voice. We get down there to see him shining a flash flashlight into the furnace. Peering in, we just noticed that the pilot light was out. Then we saw the reason, a dead bird. About the size of the palm of my hand, maybe a sparrow, and it had flown into the furnace from outside. So I assume we're, we're to think that this is creepy because they're watching the birds. And that was the last one of theirs. You know, they're okay. They're okay. Uh, what else? I need some, like, suspenseful music or something for these episodes. Okay, let's go to Ranker again because usually they have better ones. This is... You probably never heard of these 16 creepy and allegedly true stories. The, these are taken from a, a section of their website, by the way, called Graveyard Shift, if you're ever interested. And, and again, Rosa Pascarella. Audio recording exists of Jim Jones preaching as the Jonestown community ends their own lives. Now, I did know that one because I listened to some podcasts. So there is a recording and they, they've got a link here. I'll link, I'll put Ranker in the show notes, okay? Because you could click on this, it looks like, and listen to the speech, I think. Or, or it's another article about it. So hundreds of people, if you don't know or don't remember, drank the Kool-Aid or juice. Arsenic-laden juice. And, and this, they died. And also, as far as we know, this, they knew that. They weren't tricked. You, well, you can argue they were brainwashed by the cult. What I'm saying is, he didn't murder them per se, it wasn't sneaky. They knew because of something they believed in this entire cult. That would be a whole episode unto itself. So there is recording. You can hear him uh, uh, talking to them while they're dying. So that's, uh, it, it, it would be, and I guess, um, I think I might have heard a little clip of it, but he's, uh, what they say here is that uh, you can hear them perishing and his sheer delirium is chilling. And I bet it is. I don't even know if I want to listen to it. Uh, another one is man treats girlfriend's child like a dog, which eventually leads to the child's passing. Ugh, that's terrible. And this webpage is jumping. Pardon me if I pause. The baby pee story really fucked with my head. In the UK, a couple of years ago, the boyfriend of this woman started beating her son. The things he did were horrific. He trained his dog to bite him. Oh, God, y'all. He pulled out his fingernails, toenails, smashed his fingers threw him into the air and let him hit the floor, tossed him around, and he called it roughhousing. He did this so uh, hard one night that the child's spine snapped. One of the things that uh, struck this person is when they read that he was trained to be submissive and when the boyfriend would enter the room, baby P would put his head to the floor. <sighs> what a piece of shit that guy is. There's links to that, too. I assume it's an entire story. Russian soldiers during World War II force a German man to watch as his wife is assaulted by entire platoon. Why do I feel like... Did this come up on the last one? I feel like I just read this. So it is in the German memoir, Sniper on the Eastern Front, March 1945, and the Germans have been pushed back uh, by the Russians into Germany and Czechoslovakia. 
He was scouting some German village in the Sudentland. A Russian platoon drove around, so he hid in a caved outbuilding, so this lone sniper had a front row seat to the horror to what was to follow. The platoon was plundering the village until it ran into this German couple. The Russians then tied up the husband and forced him to watch as the Russians, in order of ranking personnel, assaulted the wife, one by one. And of course she was screaming in agony and fell in and out of consciousness. When the last Russian was finished, <sighs> he shoved a flare gun up the woman's vagina and fired it. I don't even think I can read the rest of this. You know, they, they describe it. German reinforcements soon arrived and slayed the platoon. The husband went into his house, grabbed an object. They think it was a shovel. And he hacked the remaining wounded soldiers on the ground until they all died. And some of the Germans tried to stop him, but this lone sniper held them back. That's fucked up. Oh, I've done an episode on this next one. Man hides in farmhouse attic for days before slaying the entire family with axe. If you know the story of Hinterkaifeck, this is more than a century ago, it's actually still considered unsolved. Uh, but it's a case of frogging, which I've done episodes on separately as well. But apparently this guy lived in their attic for a while. And after they found the people dead, they found evidence that someone was still hanging around the farm and like had made sandwiches and shit in the kitchen after while the bodies were still there for a while. Yeah. Go listen to my episode on Hinterkaifeck. Woman disappears during cruise is believed to have been sold into slavery, sexual slavery. Amy Bradley. She disappeared from a cruise ship uh, en route to Curacao in 1998. And years later, years later, photos were emailed to her parents that resembled her, and it looked like she had been sold into sexual slavery. Multiple people have also claimed to see her throughout the years. And the Wikipedia page on her case lists the sightings. There's an FBI missing persons report. There are sketches of people she was seen with in 2005. Homeless woman lives in occupied houses attic for almost a year. This is what we call frogging. A 58-year-old man living alone in Japan. Oh yeah, I, I think I mentioned that one in my episodes. Uh, he started hearing noises at night and he noticed that things were out of place. So he installed video cameras. I shared pictures of this actually in the past. And it turns out a homeless woman had been living in his attic and cupboards for almost a year. Now, here's the thing I remember about her, though. She was just, like, you know, sometimes taking some food, apparently maybe taking showers. But she tidied up after herself because you're like, how did he not know? Because she would sneak down in, but he, uh, most of it was nothing too terrible. And, like, she, she cleaned up. So... I think she just desperately wanted some place to stay. It's kind of sad, really. Creepy, yes, but sad. Family of albinos in Tanzania were dismembered so their limbs could be used for traditional witchcraft. Yeah. Quote, I saw something on National Geographic a while ago about the slayings of albinos in Tanzania. There was one case of a family with two albino sisters, one of which had her arms and legs hacked off in the middle of the night so they could be sold on the black market. The other albino laid next to her sister for the remainder of the night as she bled out. 
So I guess they lived in a very secluded hut with no electricity. Albino limbs are reportedly worth a lot in certain parts of Africa for use in traditional witchcraft. Not all witches, y'all. America's first serial slayer disguised his mansion as a lodging for tourists visiting the World's Fair. We know this one, don't you? H.H. Holmes, considered America's first serial killer. So yeah, he built this entire, uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, uh, this entire building that he said was a hotel, and it was supposed to be a fancy hotel, a four, you know, five-star hotel, uh, but inside... Let's see, he had like this whole system of shoots, didn't he, and stuff, and hidden rooms, and just, it was just crazy. And they didn't catch him there, though. I think it was after he moved. He had a whole family, a whole ass family and shit. Like, for real. Uh, I like that they mention here that a, a good story to read is The Devil in the White City, because it tells you about both things. It tells you about the 1893 Chicago's World Fair juxtaposed against this guy, the devil in the white city. I have that book, by the way, and it is a good book if you're interested in just the factual parts. It's not sensationalism. I thought it was a very interesting book to kind of put these two against each other, the backdrop of the World's Fair. So you should check it out, The Devil in the White City. An HBO documentary exposes dangerous child. There's an HBO documentary called Child of Rage, about a six-year-old with reactive attachment disorder who repeatedly tortured animals, sexually molested her brother, and attempted to slay her adoptive parents by coming into their bedroom at night with a knife. So this documentary shows her calmly telling her therapist about the incidents very soon after they happened. Wow. I have HBO and I have not watched that. Imagine your own child. All right. Canada's youngest slayer ends family. Uh, murderer, I think is what they mean here. If you look up the youngest murderer in Canada, she's 12. and She, at the age of 12, I guess, and her coked up boyfriend, 23. Wait, wait, wait. I think this is the, um, this is the werewolf one. Yeah, she was 12. He was 23. They slayed her parents and younger brother because the parents didn't want her dating the boyfriend. Yes, they were caught in prison. They got engaged. She broke up with them. I know that. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the word. The guy that supposedly thought he was a werewolf. Uh, the thing is, uh, now I'm remembering too that I don't think he. I don't know that he literally thought that, or if it was just something he said because he thought it was cool and and you know quote unquote goth and creepy and edgy. So a convicted murderer and cannibal lives, lives freely in Japan. There's a guy, Isai Sagawa, who became famous after being convicted of killing and eating victims. And he lives as a free man in Japan to this day. I feel like I covered that too, or I've heard about it. Edgar Allan Poe piece, something that he wrote, apparently predicted a shipwreck tragedy 50 years before it happened. The story in question is the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym from 1838, and it was about four shipwreck survivors stranded in a boat before they murdered and ate their cabin boy, Richard Parker. In 1884, a boat was stranded with only four survivors. Three of the men did indeed kill and eat the cabin boy, 
also named Richard Parker. Is that true, y'all? Wow. Is that true? Or is that just a common name? I might have to look that up. Okay. Oh, man, I know some of the things they're alluding to here, but if you didn't, it's just so vague. Canadian pig farmers slay harlots and... Harlots? Why would you use that? Why would you say that? And feed bodies to the pigs. I know what they're talking about. Uh, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. But there were there was this guy in British Columbia who would bring um, streetwalkers, you know, uh, sex workers, I think from Vancouver, quite often or the surrounding areas, uh, to the farm, and they would be killed, and then quite often the pigs feed them to the pigs. There's at least 27, they say here, but actually they think there's a whole lot more. What is that guy's name? Bill Pitt? Um, if you guys listen to True Crime, you know what I'm talking about because it's one of the most horrific, disgusting, true stories, true cases, and also um, underlies underlines another problem of indigenous missing and murdered women and how how because of them being sex workers it was quite often not taken seriously at first that when they would disappear you know they wouldn't immediately think there was a crime i don't have to explain that do i you know why world war ii plane crashes in japan u.s rescues only one of nine survivors during world war ii an american airplane crashed near the japanese island of chichijima uh chichijima there were nine servicemen on board. One was rescued by an American submarine. The other eight were taken in by the Japanese. This person says, I don't want to go into all the details, but through some time and events, the Japanese ended up eating the servicemen. But that's not the weird part. The one serviceman who was rescued, that was George H.W. Bush. Is that true? Hang on. Hang on. Can you hear me typing? Rescued at sea. Some of you might be going, yes, yes, he was. Oh my God, it's true. There's actually footage of him being rescued. Well, okay. But uh, how about the rest of that, though? Is that even true? That, or is that just some propaganda? So here's the story. During World War II, George H.W. Bush served in the U.S. Navy a pilot assigned to a, to a torpedo squadron in the Pacific Theater, Bush flew the TBM Avenger, a torpedo bomber capable of taking off from aircraft carriers, and he would famous, it would famously see combat during the Battle of Midway, June 4th, 1942. He had enlisted fresh out of high school, and yes, here we go. September 2nd, 1944, was hit by anti-aircraft fire, during an attack run on the Japanese-occupied island of Chichijima. Suddenly there was a jolt, Bush wrote later, as if a massive fist had crunched into the belly of the plane. Smoke poured into the cockpit, and I could see flames rippling across the crease of the wing, edging towards fuel tanks. So two crew members, this says his two crew members, doesn't say nine, were killed in the attack, leaving the young pilot to complete his bombing run, run against a radio facility 
and then he bailed out alone over the Pacific into jellyfish-infested waters. During the egress, he struck his head, which bled profusely, as he swam to a life raft and hoped for rescue. And he was one of the lucky ones. So, after four hours, the USS Finback, a lifeguard submarine, found him. And on this page I'm looking at, there's video of him uh, when the Finback's crew pulled him from the water (laughs) and saved him. I'll be damned. It's true. But there's absolutely nothing there about friggin' nine other, there was only two other, two other crew members and they died. So boo on you, Ranker. Or, well, not Ranker, but whoever sent them this story. Boo on you. And they didn't even vet it, but I'm not surprised. Oh, now you guys may have heard of this one. Coal mine fire started in the 1960s continues to burn underground today. And no, I'm not talking about Silent Hill, but I'm pretty sure they were inspired by that. Centralia, Pennsylvania. It was a pretty decent sized coal mining town. And in the 60s, a fire, which the person here believes started at a landfill, but was not put out completely, caught an exposed coal vein on fire and the fire burns underground to this day. In the 80s, the government started paying people to leave and they started buying up all of the land and destroying the houses so no one could live there. Since they didn't exactly force people to leave, there's apparently still a population of about 10. There's enough coal underground to keep this fire burning for a very long time. Quote, I have been there before and in person and it is really eerie. It's a bunch of empty streets with one or two houses, a church, and some cemeteries. One part of the highway which is closed off and rerouted because of the fire, is all cracked and misshapen, so the road is really uneven. One of the weirdest things is the stream that comes out through the ground. It almost looks like little hot springs everywhere, but it is really coming from the fire below. Do you, not, do you uh, know that's true, right? You go, if you, uh, or bing it, Centralia, Pennsylvania, 100% factual. Now, uh, a very quick extra search here shows that they had a thousand, approximately a thousand people in 1980, and now there's maybe five. So there's not even 10 anymore. And it really does, um, it does look like Silent Hill. I know it sounded exactly like Silent Hill. And that's why, because The town of Silent Hill, West Virginia, which is the games, is actually Centralia, Pennsylvania. There you go. True, true stories. Have you ever played Silent Hill? How many, how many years ago? Um, How many years ago was that first one? Like, God, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? PlayStation 1? I think it's PS1. And I hadn't really played horror games. I hadn't really played a lot of games like Final Fantasy. And it actually did creep me out at the time. You know, you're walking around in the dark and you've got the... And maybe if you've seen even like one of the movies, actually did a fairly good job uh, of representing the games and even more so the creepiness. So you got like a, a little transistor radio and it would, you know, you know, crackle this terrible grating white noise when something was near. Right, like a, 
there's sort of a zombified, you know, version of whatever was left of the townspeople. These really creepy things. Although I think the nurses are the creepiest when you go in the buildings. The nurses. You have to sneak by them because if they hear you or you bump into them, they all start attacking. It sets them all off. But what's creepy about it is even as you're sneaking by, they sort of jump and twitch which I know is designed to make you freak out and accidentally bump into him because it happened to me. <laughs> and there was no escape. I always thought it would be cool to dress up as one of those for Halloween. I still might do it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where are my video game peeps at? Now, they've made several uh, Silent, Silent Hill since then, but I think the only other one I ever really played was the second one. Um, but... That first one, though, it just is kind of burned in my brain. Walking around town at night, you can barely see anything. Your flashlight doesn't illuminate very much. And then your radio would go off, and it would freak me out. I would jump, and that was very well played, very well done. And no, I have not played any of the Resident Evils. I suck at shooters, and I particularly do not like first-person shooters. Not my bag, but I used to watch my ex-husband play them. And I remember one of those having a pretty creepy spot. Uh, something is chasing you and the point of view would switch to where it was like you were looking through the eyes of whatever it was but you didn't know what it was yet and he kept dying at one part so he kept doing it over and over and you're playing that in the dark and yeah it was kind of creepy it was kind of creepy the only thing I can think of since then that I've played that's an actual two horror games were um Evil Within I tried there's also a second one which I've realized that I have it in my archives, like I could play it. I'm like, oh my God, I have that game? When did I get that game? I think I got it for free for some reason a long time ago. But the first one actually had me laughing. And if any of you guys ever tried it, you're basically trying to escape this serial killer. And I started laughing at a certain point because every time he catches you, it's a new and horrific way of dying. And <laughs> it's like, is actually pretty funny. I never made it. I never made it out of the hospital. Yeah, yeah. It was just too hard. <laughs> but it was good. The other one I played was Until Dawn. And I apparently there's a whole bunch, well, I say a whole bunch. Like these people made sort of group of these type of things. It took me 8 hours to beat it. It's the sort of thing you can do in a day. And it's like being in a horror film and the choices you make, you know, have an effect. And at the end of it, you know, you get to see what some of those effects are. But it is really well done. And not the least of which is that I recognize the actors. And that's sort of creepy how well, how much they look like them. Rami Malek is one of the stars of it. And I'm like, oh my God, it's, it looks more like Rami than Rami. So that's kind of weird, you know. But it's cool at the same time. So if you're into that sort of thing... Uh, I had gotten to uh, download Until Dawn for free. Like if you have the PlayStation membership, it's still free. It's like one of the classics that they have. I think they call it in the classic section. So if you like any sort of horror, you don't really have to fight per se. It's mostly just making choices and go this way, go that way. Do I take the shortcut? Do I not take the shortcut, etc. And they did an excellent job with atmosphere. And uh, check it out. So anyway... Yeah, I digressed there, but it made me think of it. That is it for today's hastily, last second, thrown together podcast. I don't know if you hear something out of this that 
you think might be cool for me to look up that I haven't already done because some of these I'd already done. Um, maybe I'll do a podcast on it. I there was a couple in there like I'm wondering about that. Um, da 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 da. Well, I don't know. Maybe I should do a thing about the whole burning town, although we already know how it ends and we already know that it's the inspiration for Silent Hill. But should I do a proper episode? Should I do some more ghost stories? You want to know what is still remains the most popular? It's just got so many downloads. It's insane. It keeps going. It's called Ave Maria. I even reposted it at one point because it's so popular. And that was the either poltergeist or poltergeist or possession of that young girl. And you guys really like the possession stuff and the the froggers, the creepy people watching you sneaking up. Those are really popular. Maybe that's what I should do, huh? We'll go to MK Ultra later. Maybe I should do cuz it's it gets so deep. I don't know if I have the energy right now. Because there was stuff from Montauk that oh yeah, I was going to look stuff up there too. I'm just rambling now. I'm reminding myself what the hell I was going to do. Remind me. Remind me for me. I make these notes and then I clean up and throw them away. There was somebody I was going to look up from the Montauk Project, wasn't I? Some criminal. Because that thing went so deep, I finally had to cut myself off. It was almost a two-hour episode. And now I'm almost up to an hour here, part of which is just rambling. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to save you all the further rambles. If you want to uh, give me ideas or feedback, be nice or just say hi. I'm on Twitter at PodPinky. I do post videos, photographs, relevant things to the podcast on Instagram, Pinky underscore podcast. My official website is PinkySwearPress.com where you see all the other things I do, which includes being an author. Please check out my new book that uh, people seem to really like. A little different than other things I have written. It's still got some supernatural elements, but instead of horror or, you know, sort of that direction, it is a little more purely a romance. Well, maybe not purely. Urban fantasy slash romance, male, male romance. And it does have a vampire in it if you like that sort of thing. And something else that I won't spoil. And it's a nice, quicker little read, you know. It's called Dark Wings. It's available on uh, everywhere on Amazon.com. Kindle, paperback, and Kindle Unlimited if you want to do that. And I think that's enough plugging. Where else can you talk to me? Of course, I'm on Facebook, Pinky Swear Press. That's trademarked, by the way. That's why I'm always using it. Why am I Pinky Pod and Pinky Swear Press? It's my trademark. It's one of my business names. And now you know. And thanks for listening. Pa-pa-pa-pow. And uh, don't, uh, I don't know, make sure you check your duvets for bats, I guess. <laughs>